Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. It is Tuesday. I hope all is well. Wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world, you're having a decent start to your week and you're still basking in the glory of that fantastic win on Sunday against Liverpool at the Emirates. Plenty to talk about today. We've got some comments from Martin Odegaard about those celebrations um, after the game against Liverpool. We'll talk about Takiro Tomiyasu and his new contract, which is close, not done, but close to being signed. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Jorginho's future on the back of his excellent performance against Liverpool as well. Got plenty of comments and questions from you. We'll take a little bit of a look back at what's gone on in the Premier League in the last 24 hours as well with Manchester City's win at Brentford, moving them level on points with Arsenal and just two points behind Liverpool as the title race very much begins to heat up. So let's get started, shall we? And I wanted to start on Takahiro Tomiyasu today, a defender who has had a fantastic start to the season with Arsenal. Obviously, has been away in recent weeks with Japan at the Asian Cup, but he is now back in London and would probably, I would say, start this weekend against um, West Ham, depending on his fitness. We hope he's come back from the Asian Cup okay. Played 90 minutes when Japan went out against Iran in the quarterfinals. Didn't appear to suffer any sort of injury or anything like that in that game. So, providing he's come back and he's fine, I'd imagine he's probably going to play this week uh, because of the injury to Zinchenko, which saw him go off at half-time against Liverpool. And he's had a really strong season, Takiro Tomiyasu, and he's about to be rewarded with a brand new... Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Contract and very much deserves that new contract as well. Yes, there's been a few injury issues since he's been at the club. But on the whole, you look at that signing from Bologna, £18 million pounds. For a player like Tomiyasu, for the versatility, gives you for the quality, gives you um, just a fantastic signing and absolutely deserves a new contract. And very, very happy that Arsenal will be getting that contract done. It's not done yet, as far as I'm aware. It is very much set to be signed, um, kind of agreed in principle, but it's not yet done and dusted. Uh, so we wait for that. So as far as I'm aware, again, I don't think there's an announcement imminent. So I don't think it's going to be today or it's going to be tomorrow. But all signs are pointing that this is now, you know, just a matter of time before the actual 
contract is signed and it is announced, but it's uh, it's not quite there yet. But will be very very soon. You know, Arsenal absolutely wanted to keep Tommy Asu, and you can. I mean, it's very obvious why. Because as I said, because of the versatility he gives you, because of the quality he gives you in any position he plays across the back line, right back, left back, centre back. You just know what you're going to get from Tommy Asu. Really hugely popular player around the squad as well. So there was never any thought about from Arsenal to letting Tommy Asu go. There was lots of interest in Tommy Asu. There has been for the last few transfer windows, basically since he's arrived at the club, some are looking at it thinking, oh, he's not a regular. Can we sneak in there and get him out of Arsenal? Italian clubs are very keen to get him back to Italy. But Arsenal have never had any thought about letting Tommy Asu go. He's always been a really crucial member of this squad and continues to be a crucial member of this squad. And as far as I'm aware as well, and I imagine that is absolutely correct because he's just signed a new contract. He had never really, never really had any thoughts about leaving either. You know, he's been very, very happy at Arsenal. Um, even if he's not playing, Tommy Asu's basically the 12th man. I always consider him that, even when he's not in the starting eleven, He's pretty much always the first sub. Um, and... Yeah, so he's always involved. It's not like he's out. If he's not playing, he's out in the cold or anything like that. He's always very much around the first team, even if he's on the bench. And um, Yeah, really happy that Tommy's going to sign a new contract. So we'll wait confirmation of that. We'll wait an announcement of that. But I think that will happen fairly soon. I imagine Ben White will be fairly quickly um, done on the heels of that. Talks continue with Ben White uh, about a new deal. But let me know what your thoughts are on Tommy Asu. How happy are you um, about him? getting very, very close to signing a new contract. Do the injuries concern you a little bit? I can't imagine they would, but if they do, you know, just let me know any of your thoughts on it in the comments below. Right, moving on um, to Celebration Gate, as you, if you want to call it that. Um, I did briefly touch on it yesterday. I've, I've got to say, if you haven't heard it yet, if you haven't listened to this week's Askcast with Andrew and James um, I, over on Askblog, then... I urge you to go and listen to that. You should listen to it every week anyway, because it's such a fantastic podcast. Congratulations to the pair of them for reaching 10 years as well. Um, but this week, yesterday's show that went out in sort of reacting to the Liverpool game, James's, <laughs> I don't know, monologue, if you want to call it that, at the start, when he's talking about Chris Sutton and the comments that he's made about um, the celebrations and the 606 phone in that he hosted. Honestly, go and listen to it. It is comedy gold. It is, it is so good. And uh, I couldn't, there's nothing that I can say that could even get close to uh, putting it as well as James did in that podcast. So I just urge you to go and find it. In fact, I'll put the link to the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, I'll put the link in the descriptions below. You absolutely need to go and listen to it. It's just it's just so, so funny. Um, but Martin Odegaard's obviously been speaking about this. He was speaking in, down in the mix zone after the game uh, to uh, some of the journalists who were down in the mix zone. And he was asked about the celebrations and people, you know, the Sky Sports Fundit saying that Arsenal celebrated too much. And he, this is what Martin had to say. He said, I think everyone who loves football, who understands football, they know how much it means to win this game. And if you're not allowed to celebrate when you win a game, when are you allowed to celebrate? We are happy with the win and we'll stay humble. We keep working hard and we prepare, prepare for the next one. But you have to be happy when you win. Sam Dean, actually a big friend of the show. Um, I'm sure you've seen him on here before. He wrote a really good piece yesterday looking at the sort of science behind celebrations and um, how important they are and so, how important some people believe. There was a great anecdote in there from Pep Guardiola during his Barcelona times when there was a goal, I think, that was that was ruled out. Um, and Pep, when the goal went in, he turned around to look at his substitutes to see who was celebrating the goal. 
And I think some of them were on their feet celebrating and there was others who was just stayed, stayed sat on the bench, not celebrating it. And uh, that following summer, every player that stayed sat on the bench, not celebrating, was sold <laughs> because Pep felt that everyone needs to be as a team together and celebrate together and enjoy moments together, uh, which is a fantastic anecdote. I hadn't heard it before. It's amazing. It, it, was, uh, it was detailed in a uh, book, in Pep Guardiola's book. Um, and look, I just, you know, I, the, I, I said my PTS down there, I think it's so pathetic, the whole thing. I can't believe it was even a talking point after the game, but it is. And it always seems to be the way when Arsenal celebrate anything it's always Arsenal who seems to get picked on I just I, when when do you ever see anyone anyone mention Roberto De Zerbi's celebrations after games and goals I mean he did it against Crystal Palace he was in he jumped in the crowd against Crystal Palace celebrating one of the goals at the weekend no one even mentioned it at all and why should they because it's fun because that's what you want to see you want to see the manager enjoying themselves you want to see him being part of it with the fans you want to see the players celebrating any win it doesn't matter who it's against just celebrate why not it just baffles me out when did football not become fun? Football is all about fun. It's about a release. It's about forgetting about what's gone on during the week. It's about going to a stadium, enjoying yourselves. For the players, it's about all the hard work that's gone into a week, preparing for a game, especially a game as big as Liverpool at the weekend, when you knew what was on the line if it went wrong. In what world are you supposed to just go down the tunnel, as Jamie Carragher said, at full time? and not enjoy yourselves after that. Why should that be the case? You've worked so hard to win that game. You've won it under huge amounts of pressure. Celebrate, enjoy yourselves. For the fans, celebrate, enjoy it. It's just, when did it all, when did the fun get sucked out of football? When does everything have to be so negative? It just does my head in. Even just reading comments about things, always looking for the negatives. Just enjoy the game. It's what it is. It's why we all love football. It's passionate. It is passionate. It's all about a release and enjoying yourselves. And, yeah, as Martin said, if you can't celebrate that win at the weekend, then when are you ever going to celebrate? And it's not like they're out on the pitch for 20 minutes. When like you saw everyone doing cartwheels on the pitch, they were out there for about two and a half minutes. I filmed it, but literally about two and a half minutes they're on the pitch before going down the tunnel. And you're still getting criticised for that. It just absolutely, honestly baffles me out. But I thought those were very good comments from Martin as well. And there's one here from Sam who's got in touch. He said, what frustrates me more about the Neville and Carragher being part of the celebration police. They were two of the worst culprits for appreciating Klopp's passion when he would run down the line for a goal. Exactly. Always that famous famous one when Klopp went on the pitch when Origi scored that last-minute winner for Liverpool against Everton in the, in the Merseyside derby and Klopp was out on the pitch into the centre circle hugging Alisson and Jamie Carragher was on commentary. You could just see the joy in his face. Look at Klopp. Klopp's on the pitch. I remember Gary Neville um, at the Euros when he was assistant coach to, I think it was Roy Hodgson, wasn't it? When England beat Wales and Daniel Sturridge scored a last-minute winner. Gary Neville, in his suit, went charging down the touchline and jumped in with the players to celebrate a goal. He was the assistant manager and he's doing that. And yet here they are criticising players for celebrating a huge win like that in the title race that kept Arsenal in it. It's just, just honestly, it's so, so ridiculous. Anyway, moving on from the celebration police and the absolute waste of space that they all are. Uh, Jorginho has been talking a little bit about his future, basically saying that he's not yet had contract talks. Now, we know with Jorginho, his contract's up at the end of the season, but Arsenal do have the option to extend it by a further 12 months. Um, and he was asked after the game at the weekend if there are any talks going on about a new contract. And he says, I am trying to enjoy the moment, to be honest. We haven't spoken about it. and I just want to win games with Arsenal. Um, he said it would mean a lot to win the Premier League. That's the one that he's missing to tick off. He's obviously won the Champions League. He's won the European Championships of Italy as well. You know, he's won an awful lot, Jorginho. Uh, so we need to enjoy the moment and push really hard to every single game. And at the end, we will see. We have to do a lot. and We have to push a lot. We are on the right path. Um, 
I, I just think it's a really simple decision for Arsenal. I just think you should be, that absolutely should be taking up that contract um, clause in Jorginho's contract. I don't think look he's not got he's not a long term player for this football club. But given Arsenal are going to have to sign at least one central midfielder this summer, possibly probably two. You know, Elneny's going. I know Elneny barely features, but you kind of feel like you've got to replace Elneny. Um, I would not be at all surprised, of course, if Thomas Partey left in the summer. We'll wait and see what's going on with him and his fitness and what decision Arsenal take. And it, like, like I've said many times, Arsenal would have sold or were open to selling him last summer if a good bid came in, a good bid didn't come in. I think it's probably going to be quite hard to expect a decent bid to come in for him this summer, given he's missed the whole, going to miss most of the season with injury and he'll only have a year left in his contract. But it wouldn't surprise me still if Arsenal, if Thomas Partey's, this ends up being Thomas Partey's final season. So then you'd have to replace him. And I think Arsenal will. You know, they're going to. Start, I think they'll probably spend quite significant amount of money this summer on a central midfielder. We know Zubamendi is a player they absolutely admire. I'm not saying they're going to get him because there's other clubs that admire him as well. And it's not a foregone conclusion that it will leave Sociedad either, which is a club that he absolutely loves um, and hasn't really been keen on leaving before. So we'll see on that. But you know, he's certainly a player that Arsenal are looking at, and it wouldn't surprise me if they make moves for him. But even if they do, and they sign him, and even if they've got, you know, they've still got Declan Rice here, I still think there's a there's a big role for Jorginho to play next season. Clearly, clearly still got lots to give. We're seeing that this season whenever he performs. He's a brilliant professional. He's fantastic around the place. On the pitch, he's producing excellent performances as we saw at the weekend. Off the pitch, he's so important and so well-liked by everyone. Um, and I just think it's a really simple decision from an Arsenal point of view. Maybe for Jorginho, he might look at it and he might have offers from somewhere else and think, could I go and finish my career in Italy? Um, and he, so maybe there's a bit of talking to do with him to try and to see what's going on. But for, from a club point of view, I just think it's absolutely, you just, you just take up that 12 months and then obviously you can go at the end of that when he's out of contract and, and that's fine. But I just think there's still so much for him to give and to offer this Arsenal squad, not necessarily team every single week. I don't think Jorginho should be starting every single game. Um, but I still think I still think he he fully warrants his place around the place, and uh, I would be taking up that contract. But intrigued to get your thoughts on it. What would you do with your junior? Do you think this should be his swan song, his final year, or do you like me think it makes perfect sense just to take up that option, keep him around for another twelve months, and uh, and then kind of means also you don't have to do so huge because if Jorginho goes as well the midfield rebuild you're suddenly going to have to do it in a window when you're already trying to sign a striker and potentially a right winger as well and suddenly you need to bring in two midfielders that's really difficult to do so if you can sort of balance that out over the course of two summer windows so keep Jorginho for one means you only have to sign one midfielder this summer and then you keep Jorginho and then the following summer when he goes then you sign another one it just makes it just feels an awful lot easier for Arsenal and far less just far less disruption than having to basically base, replace two very, very key and influential midfielders. So let me know your thoughts on that in the comments below. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So Manchester City moved level on points with Arsenal, moved back above them on goal difference um, with their win at Brentford last night. Look for a little bit like Brentford might do Arsenal a favour, 1-0 up through Neil Morpé's goal in the first half, but then right on half time, it was such a killer blow that as soon as it went in, is that that was it. All, all my hopes of Manchester City slipping up in that game disappeared out the window very, very quickly. I knew once it was 1-1 and they sort of been boosted by that goal right before half-time by Phil Foden and they were going to go on and win that game. And when they did, Foden scoring a hat-trick, De Bruyne getting an assist. Um, Manchester City starting 11 looked very scary yesterday with everyone back, with Haaland back, De Bruyne back. It was one head of a starting 11 and the squad, the bench they had as well was ridiculously strong. I think it's nine wins in all competitions now in a row for Manchester City. They're getting on one of those runs at this time of year like they always do. And they're looking very, very ominous indeed. Um, but when you look at that league table there, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the top six. Liverpool top with 51, then Man City and Arsenal on 49, Villa just behind on 46, and Spurs in fifth with 44. And then you go back to Manchester United in sixth on 38. So it is very, very tight at the top, just two points separating the top three. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, I do admit it's looking a little bit ominous with Manchester City right now. But Arsenal just got to keep doing what they're doing. You can't worry too much about City. You worry about them when you have to play them on the Etihad, at the Etihad which has just been switched to Easter Sunday. I saw 4.30pm kickoff. Huge game. You know, when you get to that point, that's when you've got to worry about City from an Arsenal point of view. But between now and then, Arsenal just got to worry about themselves. Just got to keep doing what they're doing. Keep winning. Keep trying to keep up the pressure not just on City as Liverpool as well, and hoping that one of those two will slip up. Moving on to some of your questions and your comments here. Now, quite a few of you, I've got three of them together, but more than three um, of you got in touch in the comments talking about this. So I wanted to flag it up because I think you're absolutely spot on. It was about Martinelli's goal at the weekend um, against Manchester City, which obviously came when Alisson and Van Dijk kind of had that miscommunication and Allison tried to clear the ball. He actually kicked Van Dyke when you see it. And uh, that made him miss the ball. And Martinelli benefited by rolling it into the empty net. But as a lot of you have pointed out, like Andre at the top there, Burkamp 48, uh, Mr. Thirst Joe, I think it is, all pointed out that Martinelli's not receiving enough credit for the goal for the work he did. Uh, Burkamp 48. Martinelli, one definition of good luck is preparation and opportunity. Arsenal prepared well with a perfectly executed press. Martinelli, with his pace and persistence, created the opportunity and took it. Andre as well, saying, he, I don't think Martinelli's getting enough credit for the goal. The little shove came at the perfect time. Allison was going to clear and suddenly VVD was pushed into his path. Allison already left the ground by then and looks to avoid crashing into VDD, uh, VVD, which causes him to miss the ball. If Martinelli doesn't do that little shove, Allison clears it 100%. Definitely miscommunication, but that cheekiness is something we need in the team. You create your own luck. Mr. Third, so at the bottom, saying it was not a screw up between Van Dyke and Allison. If you watch the correct replay, the fact that Martinelli bumped Van Dyke just enough so that Allison's foot struck lightly on Van Dyke's hip as he goes to try the ball. Good on Martinelli for causing havoc. Yeah, 100%. As I said yesterday, you do make your own luck at times, and it was a classic example of the reward you sometimes get from chasing what looks like a lost cause. And Martinelli did that. He kept the pressure on. 
The little shove he gave Van Dyke was perfectly timed and it did certainly have an impact on what happened between the two of them. And Martinelli took full advantage. So fair play to Martinelli. It was a fantastic performance from him. Loves playing against Liverpool. Absolutely loves it. And um, he just did not stop all game, kept causing them problems and he got his reward that goal. So as many of you have pointed out there, absolutely he deserves plenty of credit. Okay, moving on to Hampstead Owl here and Lucas, who are both talking about the West Ham game. Arsenal go to West Ham on Sunday, have lost two games against West Ham this season, losing the league, of course, painfully at the Emirates uh, just after Christmas, going down, uh, what was the score? 2-0? And also losing 3-1 in the League Cup at the London Stadium. Hampstead Owl says, agree with what you say about how vital the importance of following up with a win at West Ham. It would be so very Arsenal to screw that one up after yesterday's result. And Rice, incidentally, is overdue a top draw performance against his old team. But uh, they are very much our bogey team at the moment. Even the women's team lost to them. I see they did for the first time in West Ham's history. The lady, the women beat Arsenal women at the weekend which was a really painful one for Arsenal. Um, losing 2-1, third defeat of the season in the league for Jonas Eidebelt's side. Looking very, very tough now for them to go on claw that title away from Chelsea this season. Uh, Lucas says, hi, Charles. Would you start the same team against West Ham next weekend? Great show as always. Thank you very much. Um, keep up the great work. Yeah, would I start the same team? I and mean, this game is so important. As Hampstead Al says, and I spoke about it yesterday, it's all. It's the big. It's bigger than last weekend. Now, last weekend's done. It was fantastic. It was a brilliant win. It was a much needed win, vital win. But it's done. It's in the history books. This weekend is now the biggest game of Arsenal season because the worst thing that could happen would be for Arsenal to go to West Ham and not back up that Liverpool game. Basically, undo all of the hard work that they put in to win in at Liverpool. They have to go to West Ham, who they've struggled against this season, who they've lost twice to this season. They have to win. They have to back up that win at the London Stadium. It is so, so crucial. I'm sure Mikel Arteta will have been drilling that into his players all week at the training ground. We'll be talking about the importance of this game. Um, And West Ham will go into it in confident mood because they've beaten Arsenal recently twice. You know, they will fancy their chances and it's going to be a really, really difficult game and Arsenal have to stand up to that. They have to assert themselves and they have to play a hell of a lot better than they have against West Ham so far in the last couple of games. In terms of your the team, Lucas, would I keep the same team? I don't know. I mean, this is a really interesting one. It's, a, it's really difficult because as good as Jorginho was, and I really thought Jorginho needed to start that game against Liverpool, I look at this game at the weekend and I think, is this a game for Jorginho or do you go with the extra attacker? Like Mikel said after the game against Liverpool, when he was preparing for it and he looked at Jorginho, he said it felt like a Jorginho game. The way Liverpool play, they make it very hard to have that extra attacker in that type of position. And that was really obvious why, because Liverpool are so good going forward. They cause you so many problems going forward that to have that extra stability was really, really key. And that was so crucial to Arsenal getting a win at the weekend. Do you need to have that extra layer of security against West Ham? Or do you want to maybe be more on the front foot and add another attacking player into that? When Arsenal play against really, really low blocks, which we've seen this season when they went to Everton, for example, and they won 1-0 at the start of the season, Fabio Vieira played in that game rather than uh, Kai Havertz. You had to sort of Vieira and Odegaard next to each other. You think back to the Nottingham Forest game last week before Liverpool, Emil Smith-Rowe came in and played in that, in that position next to Martin Odegaard. I don't think West Ham are going to play as deep as that at the weekend. They've got some really good attacking players, West Ham, obviously. Um, with the likes of Bowen and Kudus and players like that. So I don't think they're going to play as deep as the likes of Everton did at Goodison and certainly as Nottingham Forest did at the City ground. 
so it's really tough i don't know basically i'm I'm talking myself out of what i would do at the moment i need to really think about it lucas i think i i like the idea of smith road coming back in for this this game i can fully understand why i didn't start against liverpool absolutely but i kind of like the idea of smith road coming back into this game but then again arsenal played so well against liverpool Jorginho played so well against liverpool is it does it just make sense to keep the same team and try and keep that sort of momentum going so i think i'm going to have a, a little bit more of a look about it obviously i think um, Tommy Asu is going to come in at left back because Zinchenko is injured. I know Kivior played very, very well against Liverpool when he came on, but I would, I'd be going with Tommy Asu at the weekend, uh, especially if you're coming up against someone like Kudus. It just makes sense for me to to play Tommy Asu. So um, right now, I would say play Smith Rowe rather than Jorginho and have Rice as a six, and then Smith Rowe and Odegaard as the two sort of attacking number eights. But Come the weekend, I might well have changed my mind, Lucas. So thank you very much for your question. And thank you to everyone who got involved in today's show. Appreciate it as always. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow once again uh, as we start heading towards the weekend. Got Inside Arsenal Extra Time with James Benj coming up. We haven't actually nailed down the time. I think we're probably going to do it on Thursday. But keep that in your minds. If you want me and James to discuss anything in Inside Extra Time, you know what to do. Let us know in the comments below. I'll gather them all together, but I'll give you another reminder of that in tomorrow's show because I don't think we're going to do one tomorrow. I think it will definitely be Thursday, potentially Thursday afternoon for that. But until then, have a very good Tuesday, everyone. Appreciate your time. As always, speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.